Hey, it's your pal Sully pinch hitting for Jason Burke once again. And today we are going to be doing an interview with Melissa Lockhart of The Athletic. This is Locked On A's. You are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Sully. Hello, A's fans, and welcome to Locked On A's, the podcast where we talk about the A's all season long. There is no off-season. I'm your guest host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am normally the host of Locked On MLB, but with Jason Burke, a brand new papa, I'm coming in to pinch hit. Thank you for making Locked On A's your first listen as we're available on all your free podcasting catchers. And please also check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Locked On MLB, hosted normally by me, and also Lockdown Bets with your boy Q and expert analysis from Lee Sterling. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown A's. Same handle for Instagram. Jason Burke is your normal host here. He's at ByJasonB on Twitter. And I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. So another day, another day of me filling in for Jason on the podcast. I have a really great guest. Uh, Melissa Lockhart is a writer and editor for The Athletic. She's the founder of Oakland Clubhouse and a member of the Bay Area chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America. For those of you who follow Locked On MLB, she was my guest on Ricky Henderson Day, which also happens to be the 25th day of December. Well, we talked in that episode about Ricky Henderson and also the perils of her being a Hall of Fame or potentially being a Hall of Fame voter uh, and also voting for Rookie of the Year and other awards that she has voted for. But on this part of the interview, which I didn't include in that, so this is all brand new stuff, we talk about her following the A's and her love for the A's over the years. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with a wonderful writer and a great guest, Melissa Lockhart. We're here with uh, Melissa Lockhart of The Athletic, talking about The Athletics, as a coincidence right there. You posted something on the Twitter on December 12th, where was it was a retweet of Baseball Cloud was listing the all-time A's lineup, both you know from... The Philadelphia, Kansas City, and Oakland A's. No Kansas City. Actually, no. Technically, a couple of Kansas City A's. Yeah, won. a little because, blend over. <laughs> you know, you know, Bert Campaneris, and I think Sal Bando played for the KC A's, and, and Reggie Jackson made a, uh, made his debut with Kansas. So I, I got to be – I give credit where credit is due. But it was the all-time A's lineup, according to B-War, which is a stat where I don't 100% understand how it's calculated, but evidently it's – a nice thing to look at. And when you look at the all-time great starting, the all-time great in terms of career of a starting nine, and it's filled with Hall of Famers from the different eras, like Mickey Cochran and Jimmy Fox and Eddie Collins and Al Simmons, who are great Hall of Famers from the Philadelphia A's, the Connie Mack years. Uh, Bert Campanaris and Sal Bando were the key cogs of the, the 
the Charlie Finley Championship A's of the 70s. Obviously, Ricky is the greatest athletic of all time. Reggie Jackson is Reggie Jackson. And who is, according to B-War, the greatest DH in A's history? Jack Cust. Jack <laughs> Cust. That is absolutely, those three of these things belong together. Like, who in this lineup here right. looks a little out of place? The babe. No offense, Jack, no offense to Jack Cust, major leaguer. <laughs> Better than me. Why am I turning into the late Brody Stevens? But that is, I, I did a double take and I'm sure you did as well. Yeah. Well, Jack was such a great story and such a great dude, but it was, and he had that brief moment of, I think about a three-year run where he was incredible as just this swing and miss or hit a home run. And he did. And it was pretty much every other pitch. And it was like thrilling to watch on some pretty bad teams because whenever he came up, it was either going to be a show of like absolute, the hardest swing you've ever seen and nothing happens or the longest home run you've ever seen. But it still is, it's hard for me to imagine that like, if you looked back at say Mark McGuire in his last few years when he was DHing more than he was playing first base or even mm -hmm. Chris Davis over the last few years that they had not accumulated more than 9.2 or whatever it was more than Jack Cusp. But like that's what it said. So, <laughs> you know. well, yeah, and and I started thinking about like when the Finley A's teams, well, the first few years, the like seventy two, there was no DH. Right. Seventy one, there was no DH, and seventy three and seventy four, they were just learning. Again, I've I've read way too much about the Charlie Finley era A's for this book project that I'm writing, which I may talk about briefly. But so they were still figuring out what the hell to do with the designated hitter. And it seemed like Dick Williams used it as a way to kind of rest players and rotate mm -hmm. people out. The Larusa years had, I mean, they had, I mean, they had Dave, Dave Parker, Harold Dave Baines, Parker, but they were just a couple of years each. Yeah, I mean, Dave Parker was only there for two years, and he really wasn't that good. He didn't have a good first year. He had a very good second year, and then Baines was there for a few years. But mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, and I just started going through and like, yeah, I mean, what? So wouldn't it be Matt Stairs? Wouldn't be. Almeida you know, like, signs. <laughs> yeah, Almeida signs. Jeremy I mean, Giambi. I mean, who else? Yeah, if, if Jason Giambi had re-signed with the A's instead of going to the Yankees, that's where he would have found himself on a graphic because <laughs> he probably would have been the all-time war guy at DH. But he played first base when he was with Oakland. Yeah, and they seem to have been using the like the DH position throughout their history as either a way to give to pick up a veteran. Like Frank Thomas had like at least one, I think maybe two. He had one really good season. Yeah. With the it was almost MVP in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I was, I was living in the Bay area then and I was really rooting hard for that A's team. And I also loved Frank Thomas and I felt badly for Frank Thomas that all those years he carried the white Sox on yeah. his shoulders. And when they finally got to the world series, I mean, he got a ring for his trouble, but he was hurt. He only played like 20 games that year. Yeah, it's like and Walter so Payton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at least, you know, at least Payton played in play the Super Bowl. Yeah, really like he didn't, yeah. he didn't even, he had like a, I think he had a, a, a boot, like because he had a broken foot or something like that. So I remember when, I think one of the most, I love it when a, there's a shocking moment, like a super ace loses a, game where everyone automatically wrote, wrote it in ink that they were going to win. And the team in 2006 
played Johan Santana mm -hmm. in game one. I'm doing this from memory, but in game one of the 2006 and, and Santana was one of those pitchers who had his peak was out of, was off the charts. He was the best pitcher in baseball for about a three or four year stretch, including 2006. And Frank Thomas homered twice in game one. And suddenly the twins who were supposed to, the twins were supposed to go, you know, at least to the LCS, maybe to the World Series. Um, they they got swept by the A's. Right. And I remember feeling good for Frank Thomas. Like, oh, he's going to win his ring, uh, ring with the A's and he'll actually get to play. And um, then Magli Ordonez. Right, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Barry Zito in that game one, that was yeah. what got him that contract with the Giants pretty much. Pretty Yeah, yeah pretty much. We've got more coming up with Melissa and Sully, or Sully and Melissa, it depends on your flavor. But if you are looking for a new flavor to start off your year, yes, it is New Year's, and that means New Year's resolutions. The flavor you should be looking for is Built Bar, because Built Bar is the only protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. So it feels like you're cheating and you're having candy bars, but you're having protein bars that are just jam-packed with protein and it built bar makes it easier to stick to your new year's resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like chemical spill built bar tastes delicious and you will not regret it uh, most built bars contain 130 calories four grams of sugar four grams of net carbs and 17 grams of protein and if you compare that to a candy bar, that they usually have 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen net carbs. So here's an idea for the new year. Take all of your secret treat stashes, fill them with Built Bars instead. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least taste something good to start off your new year. And so all you gotta do to get your hands on some of these delicious treats is go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. The Bean A's years, like there have been there have been patches. One of the things that's been very fascinating about the A's in their history is they've had stretches of greatness throughout their history. They're like little bursts of greatness. Connie Mack had several of those. I had about three bursts of greatness with Philadelphia. Then there was a dormant. They were traveling. They were vagabonds. And then suddenly they had the burst of greatness under Finley. They had the burst of greatness under La Russa. And they've had a couple of bursts under Bean. But the difference is, is the Bean teams don't have that title. At least right. La Russa had 89. And, and there have been so many... A's teams that have lost a game five or lost a wild card, like gotten to that do or die game. I'm not trying to rub salt in your wound, I swear. <laughs> but of all the A's teams of of this century, which is the one that you, I don't know, like I don't want to say hold closest to your heart, but is the one that made you think that there's always that team, like growing up a Boston fan, there were several years where, I mean, obviously you can throw 86, but there's several years where it was like, I loved that team. Yeah. Like that team was filled with players I loved. If only that team had won. And from your perspective, what would be, what have, would have been that team for the A's? 
I think the best team was the 2001 team, the one that, you know, was the wild card, but only because the the Mariners won 116 games and they won, I think it was 104. Um, But my favorite team was 2012. And that was the team that came out of nowhere, had to sweep the Rangers, the final series of the regular season to first make the playoffs and then win the division was just shocking. And it was the year that they changed the way that the playoff format was. So even though they had the better record, they they had to start that series in Detroit and they lose those first two games in Detroit, come back win the first two games in Oakland, including game four, which is still the most exciting postseason game I've ever seen, except for that 2003 game one against the Red Sox, where Ramon Hernandez had that bunt. That was an incredible game too. But this that was a team that you know, you sort of expected to be there. This was a team that was up against Verlander and Scherzer and didn't expect to be there. And when they won that game in game four, it seemed like this was the team of destiny, the way that they had come about it. And then you run into Justin Verlander at his peak in game five, and that's all all she wrote. But that was such a fun team. It was such a unique group of of characters. You have Josh Donaldson kind of finally breaking through in the big leagues and having that huge hit in that postseason. Coco Crisp going on. There are a bunch of young pitchers like AJ Griffin and Dan Straley I had covered since they had been drafted. And so to me, that's the kind of the one in the special um, kind of holds a place in my heart. And 2018 was very similar as well. But by then, because 2012 had happened, it almost seemed like you expected 2018, which sounds weird. Um, so I, I think 2012 would be my favorite. It's funny you bring up 2012 because I remember a couple things about that team. I remember that year they traded away, again, I'm doing some of this from memory, so you got to forgive me, but they traded away, uh, I think it was Trevor Cahill, Gio Gonzalez, Mm -hmm. and Andrew Bailey. Mm -hmm. And so when the season began, there were a lot of people saying, what a disgrace. These are like three young pitchers, and they're, they're just, they're not even trying. And I remember I was in. Oregon that summer working on a TV show about loggers and I was and I was writing lots of blogs and just beginning the podcast and I remember writing a lot about because I'm a you know grew up a Boston fan but that Red Sox team was just completely unwatchable it was the Bobby Valentine year and so I wound up watching a lot of A's games I remember saying hey if you just want to see good baseball, watch the A's. I remember writing, there's no way they're going to win the division because the Rangers are going to win the World Series and they're the best team. But this team is fun and they're filled with no names and it's everything you would love in baseball. And right up until the moment when uh, Josh Hamilton dropped the ball at center field, right up until that moment, I just felt, well, the Rangers are winning the World Series this year, but it's nice that the A's are going to go to this wild card game and everything. And the minute he dropped the ball, I said, wait a minute, are the A's going to win the division? And uh, I got a friend of mine who was uh, at the time a goat farmer in Wisconsin um, who kind of casually followed baseball. I got her into the A's to the point where she was wearing her A's gears walking around Milwaukee. Uh, and, And she wrote, she emailed me the day Coco Crisp and the A's came back in game four. And she emailed me just when it ended, and she just wrote, "Did that really happen?" Yeah, because yeah, it was her first moment of of cheering for a team. But I had on Sean Doolittle on the podcast uh, a while ago, and he talked about how they didn't even have uh, AL West division T-shirts printed out. They only had the postseason ones because they figured we're not winning the division, but we're right. to the. So they they celebrate winning the wild card like two or three days before the end of the year. 
And then they had to have another celebration. But like, wait, oh. we won the division. This is unbelievable. It was, yeah, it was incredible. And, you know, and, and I mean, Doolittle, too. Here's a guy who I covered. He was a top prospect, going to be their future first baseman for a long time. And frustrating injury after frustrating injury. And I remember the instructional league going into that season. So it was 2011. Um, was down in Arizona and watching him play uh, long toss with his brother who was a pitcher in the organization right. as well mm-hmm. and this was sort of like an interesting little sideline but you didn't really expect it to go anywhere and within six months he's the best setup man in in the ALS and it was just um, such a neat thing to have that happen because you know you see so many of these guys that have careers that should have been and then couldn't be because of injury and the fact that he was able to pivot like that and save a career that looked like it was lost at that point was really remarkable. We've got more coming up with Sully and Melissa, but first, Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowls and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. That's promo code Locked On. All one word, all caps, locked on. And they got you covered from football to basketball, the NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. They've even got props for the baseball season in 2022. Wow, we all we all made it to 2022. That is wild. R.I.P. Betty White. Uh, <laughs> that took a turn. Anyways, don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing new offers available. And bet online is where the game starts. And and become a two-time All-Star. And which he did, he was an all-star with the A's in 2014, I think it was. And then later as an all-star with, with the Nats. So yeah, that's that. Um, um, it's so interesting that you picked that team because it's like, yeah, I remember not even as an A's fan getting hooked yeah. on that team. It was just, it was infectious. It's absolutely well, infectious. And, and when fans were talking, when Ray Fossey passed and everyone was kind of picking their calls that they remember most from him. And of course, you know, he was around for 35 uh, 40 years. So there were a lot of calls that you would remember, but the one that most fans remember most is him screaming in the background of Ken Korak's call of Coco's hit. And because it was such a just perfect Ray moment of how much he, he loved A's baseball. He, the passion of the moment, the passion of, you know, that crowd, it was the loudest I've ever, I was in a press box and it still felt like it was shaking. That's how loud it was. And uh, so it was just a, a neat, a neat moment in time. Let's talk a little bit about Built Bars. Built Bars are the best tasting protein bars out there. This holiday season, you better grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar has such great holiday goodness, a decadent flavor covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, and net carbs, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. You get to have something delicious and healthy, and so many flavors. you got cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, Cherry Barcia, mint brownie. My personal favorite is raspberry covered in chocolate. And so many, um, all of the lockdown hosts have our favorite flavors, and we argue about it, but there's nothing to argue about. 
You know, whatever you like, you like. This is the holiday spirit I'm talking about. I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been dunking my built bars and my cocoa. It tastes fantastic. It's better than marshmallows. And if you like a marshmallow retreat, you better try your built puffs. Now, you got the built bar puffs. They're light, they're fluffy, they're marshmallowy through and through, different flavors covered in chocolate. They taste so good, and you won't believe that they're filled with protein. So, here is the offer go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your order of all your built bars. That offer again is use promo code LOCK15 at built.com to get 15% off your built bars. Okay, let's get back to our interview with Melissa Lockhart of The Athletic. You, you remember the World Series winners, but it's sort of those little moments in playoffs that even for the teams that don't win the title that you kind of carry with you. That's what the Carlton Fisk home run. <laughs> it didn't win them a World Series, but you'll remember it forever, right? I have those. I mean, growing up a Boston fan, I have those teams that I look back and say, I know they didn't win it, but I love that team. Yeah. There was a team in 88, the team that got swept sure. by the A's in the ALCS, but that was the Morgan magic year where they brought in Joe Morgan, not the Hall of Fame right. second baseman, but the third base coach for the Red Sox, who was this Cliff Clavin-like character. He was this guy from Walt. He was nicknamed Walpole Joe. He was he sounded like a guy who you would see at Dunkin' Donuts complaining about the Red Sox. <laughs> and he was brought in to be the interim manager when they fired Johnny Mack, John McNamara, for those of you who aren't versed in that. And they said, okay, you – just you just manage the team until we find a real manager and the Red Sox went on this wild winning streak and leapfrogged the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Tigers and and on the second to last day of the season won the division and to this day if you ask me it's my favorite Red Sox team that would be in my top five I loved that team and they got I don't want to say they got clobbered by the A's because three of the games were actually really competitive in the ALCS I was at game three and four in Oakland wearing mm-hmm. a Red Sox jersey, um, walking back with my brother sad. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, I loved that team. I love but your teams that you mentioned, like you mentioned 2012 and 2018, which are both really exciting teams. I remember that 06 team being a really fun, exciting team. Yeah. that had They had Milton Bradley was on that team and Nick Swisher was on that team, and it just was a lot of just fun, exciting. You know, Frank Thomas, of course, and 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 was just and Jason Kendall, the slowest leadoff man in right. baseball history. <laughs> All right, folks, that is where we are going to call it an episode for today. Part two will be coming up your way shortly, hopefully uh, very soon. Uh, But I am home from the hospital with my newborn son, so it depends on whether or not he lets me get to it. So uh, I have it in the bank. It is ready for you guys. I will have it up for you guys, hopefully today. Hopefully, as you're listening to this today, it's in your feet already. Hopefully, we will see what happens. Uh, Lots of fun. Uh, Father had to... A good time. There's lots of ups, lots of downs. You're learning on the fly. But uh, I'm enjoying the process. And uh, thank you to everybody who's uh, sending congratulations. I really appreciate that. So uh, that is all for today's episode. The next episode will be up for you guys very, very soon. But uh, thank you for making Lockdown A's your first lesson of the day. Now, before we depart, go make Sully your second lesson of the day. Because Sully has been doing an absolutely bang-up job hosting Locked On A's this week. And uh, thank you to Sully, who's provided, you know, 
a week's worth of episodes for Locked On Ace. So go support him and Locked On MLB. And uh, yeah, that's all that I got for you guys today. So until next time, which will hopefully be very, very soon, but it depends on my son. Go out and celebrate good times, Ace fans. And I will talk at you soon. So, tomorrow? I don't... Soon! <laughs> <laughs>